Hello, everybody. Welcome to Foreign Football Forecast. This is your host, Patrick, and I'm joined today by my guest, Zach. And Zach, so you're from, uh, you know, the Villarreal USA blog. And can you, can you provide maybe um, just a little bit of background about you and, and kind of how everything started? Okay, so uh, the Villarreal USA blog has been around, um, I think, for about a decade. Um, I'm, I'm actually uh, relatively new to it. Um, the guy who ran the site for years, Alan, um, he still does things on the site with us, but um, SB Nation had to reconfigure a few things in light of a bill that was passed this past year in California about contractors and how all that stuff works. It was uh, aimed at Uber and Lyft, but it had some uh, implications for uh, bloggers and folks like that too. So we're part of the SB Nation network, uh, which does, uh, which is owned by Vox Media and does uh, sports blogs. A lot of them are team specific like ours. And uh, Real USA started originally as a blog that was off on its own and kind of on the heels of um, some success that the club had in the early 2000s. Uh, they, we were brought in under the SB Nation umbrella. Um, so Villarreal as a club, um, if you go back 25 years, uh, probably uh, hardly anybody in America or really outside of Spain would have heard of them. Uh, they, had, they were sort of lifelong members of the second and third tiers of Spanish football. Um, and then Fernando Roy, who's... Um, who's family was involved in uh, Valencia about which is about 45 minutes down the road um, left Valencia went, went up to Villarreal which is a small provincial town about 45 minutes outside of the major city and uh, started investing in the club but he didn't invest in the club in the way that we see like a Roman Abramovich invest in Chelsea um, he invested in the club in such a way that he wanted to uh, make it a self-sustaining, healthy, uh, still community-oriented uh, financial, uh, financial enterprise, uh, you know, ended up within the soccer club. And that's what he's done um, since the late 90s. I think they, they first got promoted in the late 90s, went right back down, then came back up, stayed in the top flight um, for about 15 years, um, peak, you know, making a Champions League semifinal, and finishing second in La Liga uh, with names like Raquel Mann, Diego Forlan, and Senna, uh, and, um, you know, and, 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 and great players like that. Um, they did take a dip back down to the second tier back in 2013, uh, but we, we bounced right back up. And um, essentially, I just think what you're looking at here is you're looking at um, kind of the platonic ideal of a well-run soccer club in the 21st century you don't need they don't need a whole bunch of outside investment to be able to keep up in la liga uh, they handle their business pretty well they're very involved in the community they've started uh academies all over the world including one here in north carolina where i live and um, one in virginia and other places across the states and their international department interacts with those folks um, on a regular basis basis. Uh, they, they do a great job of communicating with us. And, and, and to me, it's just everything that a soccer club ought to do. And 
so when you think about it, how how did this kind of originate even your your sort of interest in the club? Because the club has kind of, as you said, it has always kind of had this fluctuation, but I've always kind of considered Villarreal as, as almost kind of like that sort of opposite end of, of the Valencia in the sense that I've always seen the club as having had really great players. They had Riquelme, you know, I know they had Soriano, they've had Cazorla, they've had Bakambu, they've had, you know, a lot of great players, particularly in recent memory. Was this, you know, when you got involved, had you already kind of been a fan or did somebody else introduce you to the club or what was, what was kind of your introduction, if, if you will? Well, um, I, I don't know if many folks know, know this, but uh, Josie Altidore actually, uh, his first move, when he first left MLS, his move was to be in the out. And, um, and he, he got his debut as like an 18-year-old. Um, and he, uh, he never made a huge impact on the club, right? And he wasn't like a, a massive success there. But it kind of gave you that, that American connection there. Um, and then for me, I mean, it, it's one of those things, um, as Americans, I think we have a, we always have a weird relationship to the sport of soccer, right? Because, um, in some ways, soccer is one of the most community oriented sports in the world. Um, and yet in our country, like I know for me, there, there's not a soccer club of any level within 45 minutes of where I live. Um, there's. And, and, the, and the closest one is a, a fourth tier club here in the state. Um, but, you know, with Villarreal, you've got, uh, you've got a club that in recent years has invested in local soccer and other places around the world. So to me, uh, Villarreal uh, creating an academy or, or partnering with an academy here in the States, uh, that Villarreal Forest down in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is not far from where I grew up, um, is it, it gives me a personal connection to to a club all the way across an ocean that I don't know that I would have other. That is really interesting. So, for those in the audience that maybe might not know, um, I'm actually from Raleigh myself. So that's why Zach and I were talking about this before the program, and I actually never knew that they had that that academy out in in Fayetteville and. Just to kind of touch on, um, you know, your point about Josie Altador, I do remember him going there, and I remember it was always kind of a little bit of a strange thing, because I've noticed here, you know, we talk about kind of soccer culture here in the States, and it's been principally kind of focused on, say, Premier League, and I mean, now you could say to an extent Bundesliga, because traditionally there's been so many Americans that went over to play there, you know, also in Scandinavia, but we never really saw that much of of an interest in playing over in Spain. And even one thing I've always wondered is what do you kind of take when, when you look at kind of the club, you know, what do you, what do you think that they, their kind of objective was when they, you know, they expanded over here to the States, they brought in somebody like Josie Altador. Do you think that was an intention to try and maybe build a little bit of the, of the club and build that presence in the U.S. as because there wasn't really too much competition outside of people would support Madrid or Barcelona, but there wasn't really another club that had that much of an impact. So, do you think that was their intention? Um, I, I think what they're looking for 
is because there are there are folks that that graduate from Villarreal's academy there in Spain who aren't good enough to continue with the senior team uh, that end up coming over here and playing college soccer as well. Like they've got a guy that is currently playing for the University of West Virginia. That's exactly what he did. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know whether or not they saw it so much as a um, as a branding equation, right? Uh, because because everything they everything I've seen from the club is extremely people focused. The, the the club, the academies they have here in the states, uh, you know, they have um, input and they, they they bring the they bring the coaches from those academies over to Spain to help give them education. Um, they they have they answer questions for the academies that are over here. In fact, uh, I was, we did an interview on the blog a couple weeks ago with a club psychologist that helps out with the academies here in the States. Um, so I don't know if it was so much about expanding the brand as it was looking for soccer academies around the world um, that they could share their culture with, they could share their values with. Because Every Villarreal Academy I've talked to, you see the exact same thing. You see, you see clubs that are just as concerned with developing young athletes as people as they are developing young athletes as players. And, um, and so I think it was more about building connections around the world with, with people who share your values more than it was, you know, trying to get a piece of the pie in terms of, you know, get, get our put in with Real Madrid or Barcelona as someone that you know, United States fans will go watch when they turn on the clock. Okay. And just to kind of elaborate a little bit as well, you know, you've touched a lot on kind of the culture of the club and that sort of, you know, community focus. What, how would you describe to those that aren't really that familiar with the club? What is that kind of community focus been on? Because it's not, you know, Villarreal is not a really large city. Do you think that that's, that they've kind of, you know, forged, you know, that strong community relationship and that's maybe one of the reasons the club has been able to have more success in addition to, you know, what you'd already mentioned. Do you think, you think that plays a role as well? Um, I think what it does is I think that it fosters a, healthy relationship between the club and its fan base. Like in the midst of this uh, COVID-19 crisis, I know the club is doing a lot of things to uh, make sure folks don't go hungry in their community. They uh, avoided what's called an airte in, uh, in Spain uh, so that they can continue uh, to uh, pay their non-playing staff. And, and, and when they made the announcement about that, it was very focused on giving credit to the players and the coaching staff who voluntarily sacrificed some of their salaries to make it all work. And I think what it does is, and it's something we've talked about over at uh, USA. it's when you talk to a lot of American Villarreal fans, it's like, oh, we've got to make Europa League. Like, we've got to at least be in Europe. We've got to be in European competition. We've got to, you know, we've got to, to be, you know, maximize our potential on the sporting side of the club. When you actually go to Villarreal as a city, um, and you talk to the fans who are in the terraces, um, yeah, a lot of these folks remember, you know, re remember a time before Villarreal had ever been in the top four. Um, a lot of these folks remember uh, before Fernando Roy and, and, and what the club looked like then. 
And for them, just being in the top tier of football and having their 20,000-seat stadium that they can come and they can join together as a community with and, and you know, and just ex- experience being part of something like La Liga, uh, a lot of times that's good enough. A lot of times that, that, that satisfies them. And, and, you know, from, from an American sports perspective, we may think of that as complacency. Um, but I've also seen what too much ambition can do to a mid-size club in European soccer where the, where the mentality becomes toxic in the fan base. Um, and and, and they always want to change everything right away. Um, so I think what I think it's contributed to the success of the club in the sense that we, there's a fan base around the club that, you know, doesn't panic or doesn't raise a fuss or doesn't want to protest if they don't go out and get a big piece transfer signing. Um, but is just willing to trust the people in charge and willing to um, enjoy the successes that do come for their own sake without being obsessed with the end result. And, you know, you mentioned a, a lot of kind of a little bit of the difference between the fans both here in the States and, and then also here and, you know, over in Spain. Do you think that because you've, you know, the club and especially over there that they've seen how that club, how the club has really risen to where, you know, because if you look at from, from a success standpoint, I mean, the club has performed really in the past 15 years incredibly well. You know, there's the the semifinals in the Champions League, then semifinals, uh, I want to say about three times with Europa League. Do you think that because of that, that that's been able to be, you know, an asset to the club in the sense that they've still maintained that kind of community-oriented approach, but then they've also been able to have more success. And, you know, one thing I've always kind of wondered is the club has never been one to spend, you know, lavish amounts on transfers. A A lot of the players that I've seen that they've acquired have been, you know, good players, but it, it seems like it's been the system that helped them develop. Because I remember, you know, Bakambu, um, Giuseppe Rossi, uh, you know, Gerard Moreno, um, Uchi, I remember from Nigeria, he had come over there. There's been all these types of players that came in that that really developed very well within the system. And do you think that's like maybe one of the biggest assets that that the club has? Um, I, I think they've done a they've done a good job of scouting and finding players uh, that that are often beneath the notice of everyone else. Um, you know, like uh, we've got a left back, uh, Zavi Kintiav, who is a La Masia product from Barcelona, and you know he's still a young guy, and and we signed him, and he's played 16 times in the league this season. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of good assets as a young player, uh, but he wasn't someone that was ever going to go anywhere in Barcelona setup. And, and I think being able uh, to give uh, players like that a chance um, is a big asset of the club. Um, now the, the club did this past winter uh, break its transfer record for Paco Alcacer uh, coming over from Borussia Dortmund. 
Um, but I think they did that, of course, not knowing that the season was going to go sideways like it has with uh, this postponement. I think he, he thought they were, he was the final piece to get them back into Europe. Uh, but kind of, kind of what's happened over the course of the last 15 years is they did have that peak where they were finishing runner-up in La Liga and they were in the Champions League semifinal. Uh, but then at the end of 2012, they got relegated again. And I think that season, I, I think that season back down in the Segunda Division kind of woke everybody up and let them and made them realize that this thing they have going in La Liga is fragile. And if they're if they overextend themselves and they 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 spend tons and tons and tons and tons of money trying to get you know as high as possible. And, and, and try to win La Liga and try to be, you know, a Champions League semifinals of the year, and that goes wrong, well, then everything they've built for the last 20 years will fall apart. I think one of the things that's happened in the last 15 years of football overall is that uh, the, the kind of numbers it takes to be an elite club have changed. Uh, you know, when they were finishing – uh, when they were finishing in the semifinals of the Champions League, I mean, the the world transfer record wasn't half what it is now. Football money in football has gone absolutely crazy, and so I think it was a a recognition by the club to say, "Hey, look, we're not going to be able to spend with Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid and Barcelona. We're not going to be able to spend with those guys. Um, we realize that if we're not careful, we can end up back in the second tier." So let's try to make the kind of intelligent decisions that will keep us where we are. Hopefully, if it works out, keep us in European competition. Um, and we can have this thing together as a community that we enjoy without putting it at risk. You think that um, that kind of commitment when they came back and they were, you know, they were relegated, how do you view that that season? Do you view that season as more you know, maybe one of the most painful experiences you had as a fan, or do you view that kind of maybe on the flip side as more, you know, the, the, maybe the one event that helped get the club back on track and understand that, as you said, that, you know, it, it had kind of been a little bit fragile and that things could change in any instant and the, could get, and the club could have, you know, an instance where they get relegated. So do you think mm -hmm. that was more of a, a benefit or more of a negative side from from your perspective i mean the the club the club lost you know at the, in that off season they, we lost our all time leading la liga goal scorer in in Rossi. you know we lost Valera, Diego Lopez and uh, Neil Mar left as well it was, i i don't think I think while it may have had a healthy impact on the fan base of the club, I don't think it can possibly, I mean, it was sort of a, uh, a paradise lost moment for the club, right? Because, you know, we, the club had ascended and all these great things had happened and we'd be in, would have been in the middle of the conversation and all these big clubs in Europe. And all of a sudden it was just this, this earth shattering moment where you realize that, you know, holy cow, everything that we've built up over the last 10 years just got destroyed in one season. And I think a lot of what happened that season was, um, I don't think the depth of that particular roster was really 
uh, where it needed to be and trying to juggle multiple competitions. I think it got the club into trouble. Um, but I, I think it fundamentally altered the trajectory uh, because, you know, it, it, it changed it from, it changed the mentality from the sky's the limit to this mentality of let's, you know, let's be grateful for what we have. And while the, the new mentality might be more help, uh, healthy, I don't know that it's, it, 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 I don't know that there's quite as much hope bound up into it. And, and a lot of what brings us back to football is hope. So it, it, it is kind of a shame that through that relegation that, that, um, that, that a lot of that hope, a lot of that dream of, hey, maybe one day that's us holding up the Champions League trophy. A lot of that dream kind of got uh, knocked down several notches, and I think it's a shame to have lost that. Do you um do you th- kind of attribute that to, as you had as you had kind of touched on earlier, how there's been such an, a monumental increase in, you know, the number of of kind of transfer spending and how much you know teams and clubs have been playing, you know, I'm sorry, paying you know to the different players. And also, kind of almost a more consolidated, you know, Champions League and Europa League, where it seems as though it's almost not to say collusion, but that it's been kind of, you know, a change in, in from you know a club feeling like they could advance, like you know, you guys having advanced to the semifinals. It seems as though there's been sort of a transition from being able to to have that hope and to have that that kind of those kind of ideals of we can do this and we can reach, you know, the finals, that kind of almost the sky's the limit type of mentality. And I'm wondering, you know, when you look at kind of the way, not only just the transfer policy, but also kind of in recent seasons, how the club has been performing, do you think that they're trying to go and revert back to those kind of aspirations? Or do you think it's more tempered? Because, you know, you mentioned earlier about with Paco Alcazar. I'm wondering if that's an indication of a change in, in kind of the approach to the club. But, you know, especially with him and then Gerard Moreno, I'm wondering if the club is trying to, to kind of repeat and kind of reach that level again, if you will, and, and have more sustained success. Seeing as, especially when you consider maybe you know, a club like Hitafe having been in Champions League qualifying for almost all of last season and then even this season, do you think that the club still has that opportunity to not only get to the Champions League and, and you know, not only perform well in La Liga, but just kind of improve overall and, and you know, kind of continue to, to sort of rise in the, in the standings? Well, I, I mean... Yet, I, I think that signing now, this is actually a, a debate amongst Villarreal fans. Like, did we, did we need Paco Alcacer? And did we, um, you know, was it a smart move to go spend that much money on him? Um, but as, as the club record fee um, for Villarreal, he still didn't cost as much money as like as Real Madrid spent on Alvaro Adiozola or Marcos Llorente. I mean, it, it's, it, you're still talking about in the modern world, 
you know, something that wasn't even one of the 250 biggest transfers ever. I mean, it, it was still a, a very moderate sum of money. So I, I think that when they brought Paco in, I think, I think the idea, and we'll see how it plays out, but I think the idea was you bring Paco in, he gets you back into the Europa League, then you sell Paco on, back on to a bigger club for a profit and use that money to, you know, solidify other areas of the squad like center back and, and holding midfielder. And, and then you just, you just continue on uh, sustaining yourself at about the level that we are. I don't think, I don't think that, you know, the, the market conditions allowed us to get a player for far less than he was worth, and that's great. Um, but I don't think that that is any kind of seismic shift to, hey, all of a sudden we're going to start going after, you know, we're going to start going head-to-head with Atletico Madrid for players. I don't, I don't think that's how it's going to play out. What is, um, what is from your own personal perspective, what is the goal that you have and that you would like to see going forward from the club? You know, knowing that, because, you know, as you mentioned, it, I, I, I agree with you in that I do think it is probably just, you know, acquiring Alcazar and then using that as almost leverage to just get a profit and then reinvest. Um, but at the same time, do you think that the club could continue to to rise? Or what, what do you, would you say is your own, say, one or two personal goals and kind of aspirations that you would like to see the club achieve in, with, in say, the next couple seasons? Oh, I, I tell you what, we, we should have won. We should have won the Copa del Rey this year. Um, the, the, um, you know, we got knocked out by a second division side and we went the whole, our whole Copa del Rey run without playing the first tier opponent. I mean, we could have gotten all the way to the semifinals and, and before we faced the top tier opponent. It, it, I mean, I think that the, the Copa final that was actually supposed to be today as we're recording, um, that's something we should have qualified for. That's something that's well within the grasp of this club and its talent level. Now that, that that's a single uh, single game knockout tournament all the way to the semifinals, I think that's a trophy that we can set as our as our aspirations to try to get to. Um, I, I think that you know you, you mentioned earlier that we've been to the Europa League semifinals. I think that's a trophy that we can set our sights on and. You know the way, kind of the way Sevilla has set their sights on it and kind of made it something they take pride in. I think it's something that we could make our focus, and that's a trophy we could win sometime in the next few years. Um, and I think these are, I think these are reasonable goals for the level of club we are and for the amount of resources we have. Okay, I agree. I think, I think the club has the potential to be, you know, at the very least, winning Europa League. And I think. I I personally think that the club's best kind of position would be to getting back to consistently qualifying, you know, for Europe, which I, I don't want to say that's the main focus because I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that should be the only objective, but I, I do think that the club can continue to compete for Copa del Rey and become, become what they should be, which is consistently fighting for being in, in the top four and, qualifying for Champions League. And I think I think that the best thing about Villarreal and the way that they've set things up is since they've been 
relegated, I've noticed a change in that they don't seem to be as brash and decisions seem to be more calculated in that, yes, they may sign somebody, they may sign, you know, Al-Qasad or um, I know they signed um, Anis Unal a, a couple seasons ago. I, I know there's these kinds of acquisitions, but it seems more calculated. And it seems like it comes down and kind of comes back to the club's history, knowing that they had been and had periods of kind of, you know, fluctuation and, you know, a little bit more kind of stagnant in, in the lower divisions. And it seems like that they've kind of reevaluated the, the ideals. And just from my perspective, I think that. I, I think they would be best suited. And I think realistically that they can be top four and competing for Europe. I, I mean, top four is a tough one because there's, you know, the top three positions in La Liga are pretty much locked down every single year. Um, but, I mean, finishing in European places with how talented our roster is right now, I do think the bare minimum. Okay. And now is there, is there any kind of game or, you know, sort of memory also that you have in particular from, from these past couple of seasons that, has kind of stood out to you as maybe maybe kind of the most indicative of of kind of the club's culture and kind of the club's change was there anything that you've seen that was per, that particularly resonated with you um i mean if you talk about if you talk about on the field moments um you know that um that goal, that, that goal that Ever Buenas uh, scored against Inter Milan so many years ago, and to, to send us through. I mean, that that was that was the big one. Um, but I mean, just from a from a culture standpoint, I, I think that this this crisis that we're involved in now has really given the club a chance to shine and really show uh, what sets it apart from other clubs, both in Spain and around the world. You know, some of the some of the biggest clubs in La Liga, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, this crisis starts and they're immediately talking about uh, financial crisis and they're immediately talking about shaving 70, 80% of their player's salary. Um, and Villarreal didn't do that. Villarreal, you know, took their time, was patient, had enough uh, financial solvency to make sure they took care of their people and respected their players while they did that. And I think that really is what, you know, shows how the club is special and different. Okay. And just to kind of elaborate a little bit as well, you know, you've touched a lot on kind of the culture of the club and that sort of, you know, community focus. What, how would you describe to those that aren't really that familiar with the club? What has that kind of community focus been on? Because it's not, you know, Villarreal is not a really large city. Do you think that that's, that they've kind of you know, forged, you know, that strong community relationship. And that's maybe one of the reasons the club has been able to have more success. In, in addition to, you know, what you'd already mentioned, do you think, you think that plays a role as well? Um, I think what it does is I think that it fosters a healthy relationship between the club and its fan base. Like in the midst of this uh, COVID-19 crisis, I know the club is doing a lot of things to, uh, make sure folks don't go hungry in their community. They uh, avoided what's called an erte in, uh, in Spain uh, so that they can continue uh, to 
uh, pay their non-playing staff. And, and, and when they made the announcement about that, it was very focused on giving credit to the players and the coaching staff who voluntarily sacrificed some of their salaries to make it all work. And I think what it does is, and it's something we've talked about over uh, the USA, it's when you talk to a lot of American Villarreal fans, it's like, oh, we've got to make Europa League. Like we've got to at least be in Europe. We've got to be in European competition. We've got to, you know, we've got to, to be, you know, maximize our potential on the sporting side of the club. When you actually go to Villarreal as a city, um, and you talk to the fans who are in the terraces, um, a lot of these folks remember, you know, re remember a time before Villarreal had ever been in the top four. Um, a lot of these folks remember uh, before Fernando Roy and, and, and what the club looked like then. And for them, just being in the top tier of football and having their 20,000-seat stadium that they could come and they could join together as a community with and, and you know, and just ex experience being part of something like La Liga, uh, a lot of times that's good enough. A lot of times that's, that, that satisfies them. And, and, you know, from, from an American sports perspective, we may think of that as complacency. Um, but I've also seen what too much ambition can do to a mid-sized club in European soccer where the, where the mentality becomes toxic in the fan base. Um, and and, and they always want to change everything right away. Um, so I think what – I think it's contributed to – the success of the club in the sense that we there's a fan base around the club that, you know, doesn't panic or doesn't raise a fuss or doesn't want to protest if they don't go out and get a big piece transfer signing, um, but is just willing to trust the people in charge and willing to um, enjoy the successes that do come for their own sake without being obsessed with the end result. And you know, you mentioned a, a lot of kind of a little bit of the difference between the fans both here in the States and, and then also here in, uh, you know, over in Spain. Do you think that because you've, you know, the club and especially over there that they've seen how that club, how the club has really risen to where, you know, it, because if you look at from, from a success standpoint, I, I mean, the club has performed really in the past 15 years, incredibly well. You know, there's the, the semifinals in the Champions League, then semifinals, uh, I want to say about three times with Europa League. Do you think that because of that, that that's been able to be, you know, an asset to the club in the sense that they've still maintained that kind of community-oriented approach, but then they've also been able to have more success and you know, one thing I, I've always kind of wondered is the club has never been one to spend, you know, lavish amounts on transfers. A lot of a lot of the players that I've seen that they've acquired have been, you know, good players, but it, it seems like it's been the system that helped them develop. Because I remember, you know, Bakambu, um, Giuseppe Rossi, uh, you know, Gerard Moreno, um, Uchi, I remember from Nigeria, he had come over there. There's been all these types of players that came in that that really developed very well within the system. And do you think that's like maybe one of the biggest assets that that the club has? 
Um, I, I think they've done a they've done a good job of scouting and finding players uh, that that are often beneath the notice of everyone else. Um, you know, like uh, we've got a left back, uh, Zavi Kintiab, who was a La Masia product from Barcelona. And you know, he's still a young guy and, and we signed him and he's played 16 times in the league this season. But he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of good assets as a young player, uh, but he wasn't someone that was ever going to go anywhere in Barcelona set up. And, and I think being able uh, to give uh, players like that a chance um, is a big asset of the club. Um, now, the, the club did this past winter uh, break its transfer record for Paco Alcacer uh, coming over from Borussia Dortmund. Um, but I think they did that, of course, not knowing that the season was going to go sideways like it has with, uh, this postponement. I think he, he thought they were, he was the final piece to get them back into Europe. Uh, but kind of, kind of what's happened over the course of the last 15 years is they did have that peak where they were finishing runner-up in La Liga and they were in the Champions League semifinal. Uh, but then at the end of 2012, they got relegated again. And I think that season, I, I think that season back down in the Segunda Division kind of woke everybody up and let them and made them realize that this thing they have going in La Liga is fragile. And if, they're, if they overextend themselves and they, they, they spend tons and tons and tons and tons of money trying to get you know, as high as possible and, and, and try to win La Liga and try to be you know, a Champions League semifinals of the year, and that goes wrong, well, then everything they've built for the last 20 years could fall apart. I think one of the things that's happened in the last 15 years of football overall is that um, the, the kind of numbers it takes to be an elite club have changed. Uh, you know, when they were finishing, uh, when they were finishing in the semifinals of the Champions League, I mean, the, the world transfer record wasn't half what it is now. Football, money in football has gone absolutely crazy. And so I think it was a, a recognition by the club to say, hey, look, we're not going to be able to spend with Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid and Barcelona. We're not going to be able to spend with those guys. Um, we realize that if we're not careful, we can end up back in the second tier. So let's try to make the kind of intelligent decisions that will keep us where we are. Hopefully, if it works out, keep us in European competition. Um, and we can have this thing together as a community that we enjoy without putting it at risk. Do you think that um, that kind of commitment when they came back and they were, you know, they were relegated, how do you view that, that season? Do you view that season as more, you know, maybe one of the most painful experiences you had as a fan? Or do you view that kind of maybe on the flip side as more, you know, the, the, maybe the one event that helped get the club back on track and understand that, as you said, that, you know, it, it had kind of been a little bit fragile and that things could change in any instant and the, could get, and the club could have, you know, an instance where they get relegated. So do you think mm -hmm. that was more of a, a benefit or more of a negative side from, from your perspective? I mean, the, the, club, the club lost 
you know, at, in that offseason, we lost our all-time leading La Liga goal scorer in, in Rossi. You know, we lost Jorge Valera and Diego Lopez, and uh, Neil Mar left as well. It was, I, I don't think – I think while it may have had a healthy impact on the fan base of the club, I don't think it can possibly, I mean, it was sort of a uh, a paradise lost moment for the club, right? Because, you know, we the club had ascended and all these great things had happened and we'd be in, would have been in the middle of the conversation and all these big clubs in Europe. And all of a sudden it was just this, this earth shattering moment where you realize that, you know, holy cow, everything that we've built up over the last 10 years just got destroyed in one season. And I think a lot of what happened that season was, um, I don't think the depth of that particular roster was really uh, where it needed to be and trying to juggle multiple competitions. I think it got the club in some trouble. Um, but I, I think it fundamentally altered the trajectory uh, because, you know, it, it changed it from, it changed the mentality from the sky's the limit to this mentality of let's, you know, let's be grateful for what we have. And while the, the new mentality might be more help, uh, healthy, I don't know that it's, it, 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 I don't know if there's quite as much hope bound up into it. And, and a lot of what brings us back to football is hope. So it, it, it is kind of a shame that through that relegation, that, that, um, that, that a lot of that hope, a lot of that dream of, hey, maybe one day that's us holding up the Champions League trophy. A lot of that dream kind of got uh, knocked down several notches, and I think it's a shame to have lost that. Do you um do you th- kind of attribute that to, as you had as you had kind of touched on earlier, how there's been such an, a monumental increase in, you know, the number of of kind of transfer spending and how much you know teams and clubs have been playing, you know, I'm sorry, paying you know to the different players. And also, kind of almost a more consolidated, you know, Champions League and Europa League, where it seems as though it's almost not to say collusion, but that it's been kind of, you know, a change in, in from you know, a club feeling like they could advance, like, you know, you guys having advanced to the semifinals. It seems as though there's been sort of a transition from being able to, to have that hope and to have that that kind of those kind of ideals of we can do this and we can reach, you know, the finals, that kind of almost the sky's the limit type of mentality. And I'm wondering, you know, when you look at kind of the way, not only just the transfer policy, but also kind of in recent seasons, how the club has been performing, do you think that they're trying to go and revert back to those kind of aspirations? Or do you think it's more tempered? Because, you know, you mentioned earlier about with Paco Alcazar. I'm wondering if that's an indication of a change in, in kind of the approach to the club. You know, especially with him and then Gerard Moreno, I'm wondering if the club is trying to, to kind of repeat and kind of reach that level again, if you will, and, and have more sustained success. Seeing as, especially when you consider maybe you know, a club like Hitafe having been in Champions League qualifying for almost all of last season and then even this season, do you think that the club still has that opportunity to not only get to the Champions League and, and you know, not only perform well in La Liga, but 
just kind of improve overall and and you know kind of continue to to sort of rise in the in the standings well i, I mean yeah i i think that signing now this is actually a, a debate amongst Villarreal fans like did we did we need Paco Alcacer and did we um you know was it a smart move to go spend that much money on him um but as as the club record fee um for Villarreal he still didn't cost as much money as like as Real Madrid spent on Alvaro Adiozola or Marcos Urenza. I mean, it, it's it, you're still talking about in the modern world, you know, something that wasn't even one of the 250 biggest transfers ever. I mean, it, it was still a, a very moderate sum of money. So I, I, I think that when they brought Paco in, I think I think the idea, and we'll see how it plays out, but I think the idea was you bring Paco in. He gets you back into the Europa League, then you sell Paco on back on to a bigger club for a profit and use that money to, you know, solidify other areas of the squad like center back and, and holding midfielder. And and then you just you just continue on uh, sustaining yourself at about the level that we are. I don't think I don't think that you know the, the market conditions allowed us to get a player for far less than he was worth, and that's great. Um, but I don't think that that is any kind of seismic shift to, hey, all of a sudden we're going to start going after, you know, we're going to start going head to head with Atletico Madrid for players. I don't, I don't think that's how it's going to play out. What is, um, what is from your own personal perspective, what is the goal that you have and that you would like to see going forward from the club? You know, knowing that, because, you know, as you mentioned, it, I, I I agree with you in that I do think it is probably just, you know, acquiring Alcazar and then using that as almost leverage to just get a profit and then reinvest. Um, but at the same time, do you think that the club could continue to to rise? Or what what do you, would you say is your own, say, one or two personal goals and kind of aspirations that you would like to see the club achievement within, say, the next couple seasons. Well, I, I tell you what, we we should have won. We should have won the Copa del Rey this year. Um, the the um, you know we got knocked out by a second division side, and we went the whole our whole Copa del Rey run without playing the first tier opponent. I mean, we could have gotten all the way to the semifinals, and, and before we faced the top tier opponent, I, I mean, I think that the, the Copa final that was actually supposed to be today as we're recording, um, that's something we should have qualified for. That's something that's well within the grasp of this club and its talent level. Now that, that that's a single, uh, single game knockout tournament all the way to the semifinals, I think that's a trophy that we can set as our, as our aspirations to try to get to. Um, I, I think that, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that we've been to Europa League semifinals. I think that's a trophy that we can set our sights on, and you know the way, kind of the way Sevilla has set their sights on it and kind of made it something they take pride in. I think it's something that we could make our focus, and that's a trophy we could win sometime in the next few years. Um, and I think these are 
I think these are reasonable goals for the level of club we are and for the amount of resources we have. Okay. I agree. I think I think the club has the potential to be, you know, at the very least winning Europa League. And I think I I personally think that the club's best kind of position would be to getting back to consistently qualifying, you know, for Europe, which I, I don't want to say that's the main focus because I agree with you. I don't I don't think that should be the only objective, but I I do think that the club can continue to compete for Copa del Rey and become become what they should be, which is consistently fighting for being in, in the top four and qualifying for Champions League. And I think I think that the best thing about Villarreal and the way that they've set things up is since they've been relegated, I've noticed a change in that they don't seem to be as brash and decisions seem to be more calculated in that, yes, they may sign somebody. They may sign, you know, Alcazar or... Um, I know they signed um, Anis Unal a, a couple seasons ago. I, I know there's these kinds of acquisitions, but it seems more calculated. And it seems like it comes down and kind of comes back to the club's history, knowing that they had been and had periods of kind of, you know, fluctuation and, you know, a little bit more kind of stagnant in, in the lower divisions. And it seems like that they've kind of reevaluated the, the ideals and just from my perspective I think that I, I think they would be best suited and I think realistically that they can be top four and competing for Europe. I, I mean top four is a tough one because there's you know the top three positions in La Liga are pretty much locked down every single year um, but I mean finishing in European places with how talented our roster is right now I do think the bare minimum. Okay. And now is there, is there any kind of game or, you know, sort of memory also that you have in particular from, from these past couple of seasons that has kind of stood out to you as maybe, maybe kind of the most indicative of, of kind of the club's culture and kind of the club's change. Was there anything that you've seen that, was per- that particularly resonated with you? Um, I mean, if you talk about if you talk about on the field moments, um, you know that um, that goal that, that goal that Arabuenas uh, scored against Inter Milan so many years ago and to, to send us through. I mean, that that was that was the big one. Um, but I mean, just from a from a culture standpoint, I, I think that this. This crisis that we're involved in now has really given the club a chance to shine and really show uh, what sets it apart from other clubs, both in Spain and around the world. You know, some of the some of the biggest clubs in La Liga, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, this crisis starts and they're immediately talking about uh, financial crisis and they're immediately talking about shaving 70, 80 percent of their player's salary. Um, and Villarreal didn't do that. Villarreal you know, took their time, was patient, had enough uh, financial solvency to make sure they took care of their people and respected their players while they did that. And I think that really is what, you know, shows how the club is special and different. I agree. I, well, you know, I would, I would honestly just kind of like to thank you for imparting so much wisdom and knowledge about the club and just giving a little bit of history 
And for any of those that want to, you know, find the organization, it's going to be Villarreal USA. And thank you again, Zach, for, for all your time. All right. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. Thank you.